Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the top flight season. On today's show, we'll be putting Merseyside under the microscope, both the red and the blue contingent on the agenda today, as Hames is hunting for pastures new. Has his time at Goodison Park been a flop or not? Qatar looking like the likely destination as the Colombian edges closer to the Everton exit door. Over Stanley Park at Anfield, midfielder Thiago Alcantara has suffered a calf injury. He'll miss the next two games, but again it raises the question as to whether Liverpool have enough in reserve should their formidable first team fall to fitness fears. Plus we'll be talking Wolverhampton Wanderers records. No, not the history of the club and all the statistics and all of that stuff, but genuine records from genuine music artists. Wolves have launched their own record label. Is this good for the game or is it another case of football marketing gone mad? I feel like we have the right person on today's podcast to answer those questions a little bit later on. Jim Salverson's here. How are you doing, Jim? I'm all right. I'm warming up my wheels of steel as I speak. (laughs) That's DJ term, by the way. DJ speak. (laughs) Jim's a DJ in case anyone didn't know. Um, Do you reckon Gold, Sullivan and Brady would ever consider a Hammers record label? Um, only if there was decent profit in it. I reckon they I mean, <laughs> g- given the history of Gold, Sullivan and where they have made their money originally, I think um, <laughs> a, far, a far less family-friendly business venture <laughs> would be more question- yeah. more likely. Different, different types of discs, I think, that they're more <laughs> likely to sell, aren't they? Also on today's podcast, Marley Anderson. How are you, Marley? Yeah, not bad. Good. Yeah. 
Happier than, well, I seemed happier than um, yesterday. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Newcastle don't already have a record label. I've seen some of the merch that Mike Ashley's put in the club store. Oh, You've got all sorts going on. Yeah, I've got a bit of everything. If there's tat, we will sell it. We will put black and white stripes on it and we will sell it. So yeah, I am surprised actually, but it's not a high store, in, um, high store street shop, so Ashley's not interested. So if it was House of Fraser Records, he'd be all over it like a tramp on chips. <laughs> I'm Niall McCorn, not Darth Vader, although I might sound like it. Just feeling a little bit under the weather today, but we will press on regardless. And talk about Everton, because James Rodriguez is on the agenda for us today on Football Social Daily. It's been a weird time for him at Everton. He's travelled to Qatar in the Middle East ahead of a move to a Middle Eastern club. So, effectively, it looks like his Everton career is over. What do you think, on the whole, Jim, of his time at Goodison Park? Has it been a success or a failure? Because it's certainly been short-lived. It feels harsh to call it a failure, given who he is and the ability he has. But I think it's very difficult to argue that he's made any real impact to Everton since his arrival. He's been there pretty much bang on a year. And he's only featured 23 times for the first team. And in those 23 times, I think you can count on one hand the amount of game-changing performances he's had. He's scored a couple of spectacular goals, but that's been about it. And yeah, he has suffered through injury and that has hampered his progress. But he hasn't really had the impact that a lot of Everton fans would have expected him to have when they made that attention headline grabbing signing 12 months ago I think part of it's unfortunate because there has been a change of management and he's just not a Rafa Benitez style player but at the same time he didn't impress massively under Carlo Ancelotti either so maybe you've got a question whether he was the right man to bring into Everton in the first place I did some maths on this by the way because if you can equate the amount of money (laughs) that's been spent (laughs) on a player in terms of what they deliver on the pitch so forget about the transfer fees in In terms of wages, for every single Everton performance that James Rodriguez has had, it has cost them £540,000 per performance. And if you're going, have we had £540,000 of return from that individual every time we've stepped on the pitch? Answer, 100% is no. So saying failure is harsh, but certainly I think he's been a disappointment. I think that's probably a fair assessment. If you say that failure is harsh... I'd probably agree with you, but if we had to choose one way or the other, success or failure, I'm definitely swinging towards failure. I think so. But Jim touches upon it there, Marley, and I think it's a very relevant point that it was always going to be a short-lived thing because of Carlo Ancelotti. And he was the main attraction, wasn't he, really, for James Rodriguez joining Everton. Let's not make any bones about it. That's no disrespect to Everton. And I think the majority of Evertonians who would probably agree. Do you think that Hammers' stay was only ever going to span Ancelotti's time at the club? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, there's no way that Hammers would have ever signed for Everton had uh, a different manager been in charge. And we've seen that because Rafa Benitez is, is another world-class manager and he do, he's not asked about being, you know, staying and, and uh, continuing to play for Everton. Um, one thing I will say is that I feel like um, Ancelotti did plan on being at Everton for more than a year. Um, he probably planned there to be for be there for three or four years, and he, I think he did believe in the project. It just so happened that the Real Madrid job came back up again, and he never expected it to. So he could never and would never turn it down. Um, so that sort of took him by surprise and, and took him way back to Spain again. So I think that left Hammers in a bit of a 
um, oh, cheers mate type of situation and he's thought well they don't pay amazingly well um, compared to the money he could get um, and at 30 years old you know he's he's got the got the offer from the Middle East and away he goes but I think it's um, he, he probably was expecting to stay because Carlo was meant to stay so it's probably harsh to judge him on that but in terms of his, his performances I thought he was I think people will forget that he was very very good when he when he played. He had a lot of injuries at the start, but when he played on the pitch, he, he returned some decent stuff. He 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 knitted together Everton's attack and went without him. They struggled a bit, and he scored a couple of really good goals. Um, ends up getting sent off one one time against. I think it was West Brom when he booted someone and then tried to slap Kieran Gibbs, <laughs> which was kind of kind of funny. But um, uh, but you know he's he's. His time will be tarnished by the fact that the way he's left. But I feel like when people remember him, I feel I feel like it's gonna be in in a few years. People are gonna be like, "Oh, what a flop!" Um, because he only lasted a year. But in reality, if you actually think back to his performances and how he played, he was actually a good player. He just struggled with a bit of injuries and a bit of consistency. But that was always gonna happen. Do you think there's a high expectation on him B- because of what he did? in whatever World Cup it was and his move to Real Madrid and he's kind of like the most popular player in South America, whatever it is, that kind of raises expectations to a certain level. So when Everton bought him, they were expecting a superstar because he'd been at Real Madrid. But probably the truth of the matter is he didn't really do it at Real Madrid either to the level that was expected. So do you think he's actually performed really well, but the expectations were higher than maybe what was realistic? I don't think so. I don't think he's been that good. I mean, that's just from what I've seen of him. He's on 200k a week. He's 30 years old. He's gone to Everton to link up with a manager who knows him well. And, you know, you've kind of broken it down in the maths there, Jim. But I think Rafa Benitez is the one who holds the key. You know, it's going to be like... Marley, I think it sounded like he was about to mention it there. But Hamas is going to be one of those players where in five or six years, he'll be on one of those articles online which say, oh, I forgot he played for them. Mm. No, there'd be photos of, Ever- of Hamas in an Everton shirt and everyone would be like, what? That happened? I can't remember that. Because his impact has been so minute for me. I just, I don't know what people were expecting from him, Jim. Were they expecting him to pop up with 12 goals a season and 15 assists? I think because is that really going to happen for a team like Everton? When a team signs any player who has played for Real Madrid, there is a certain expectation. Same when you sign a player from Barcelona or one of the other big clubs, you kind of expect them to perform at a certain level. And for a club like Everton, bringing in a transfer of that status feels like it should be transformative. And that's what I mean, like the expectations are probably unrealistic from the fan bases. And I don't think that's necessarily what the playing staff expect or the managerial staff expect. They don't expect that kind of impact. They're bringing in a player to do a job. But I think from a fan's perspective, I mean, I look at times when West Ham have signed youth players from clubs like Manchester United. And I thought, well, they're not good enough to play for Manchester United, but they'll be transformative for West Ham. And it's never really happened. It doesn't really work like that. So I just wonder whether the expectations on Rodriguez as an individual were too high in the first place. And like you say, I mean, we're we're never going to quite know what he would have done under Ancelotti had Ancelotti stayed. But certainly under Benitez, he's being marginalised and he does need to move on. Yeah, he's 30 years old now. He hasn't played this season, hasn't played... Since May, in fact, he's on a reported £200,000 per week. Jim's mentioned it as well, that maybe he isn't quite Rafa Benitez's style of player. I think the work rate was 
not explicitly levelled at James, but certainly there was an undercurrent from Rafa Benitez when asked about the Colombian in recent times. I think the best barometer, Marley, is will Everton miss him? Will he be a, a miss enough for people to really notice their performances significantly drop without him? Because he hasn't played a great deal of games. I think, as Jim said, just just 20 odd games that he's played for Everton in a year. And he struggled with injury and he's not always been fit enough to start or even come off the bench. So do you think Everton will miss him at all? They might miss his quality in fits and starts. But in terms of a whole season, is he going to be a serious miss for them, do you think? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I would maybe say you can't miss what you never really had. And I think they didn't. They never had a full season of him. So, you know, it, it's hard to, to pin that type of label on a guy that played 23 games. And by the way, 23 games is not that not that bad. He did miss a lot, but he got six goals in those 23 games. And if you talk about if he made 15 more appearances, um, you know, that, that would take him to 38 league appearances, so a full season. Six goals over over 38, you're probably talking 10 goals. And then you're saying 10 goals as a midfielder in uh, a mid-table team is a very good return. So that, that, that sort of backs up the stats again. But I feel like with, with Rafa Benitez, it's a completely different style of, of football. Um, he doesn't need too many flair players because he builds a, a solid team that can that can hurt you sort of whenever, really. Like, they, they're... Their midfield is is solid. Uh, Alan and Dakure uh, are great players. Um, Richarlison and Calvert Lewin will take on the responsibility of scoring goals, and Salomon Rondon's there now as well. Gray and Townsend have been really good at uh, at the start of the season for them. So I feel like he's he's made his situation clear, um, Rafa Benitez, and said, you know what, if you're gonna if you're gonna mess around, you know maybe maybe going maybe staying, you know wanting to leave and. If, even if the move doesn't come off, you're not. I'm just not going to play you at all because it's worse when you play a guy for the first three games of the season then he turns around and buggers off and leaves a big hole in your team. But if you never put him in the team in the first place because you expect him to leave, you get used to playing without him. Um, and I think that's what uh, Benitez has done. He found out the situation pretty quickly and said, all right, pal, you can, you can go. If you don't want to play for us, that's fine. I don't need you because I never had you. And I've never built a team with you part of it so I don't really care so off you go just finally on Hammes then Jim we've spoken about this before on Football Social Daily namely when we were talking about Gareth Bale when all of these moves to China were being linked with the Welshman Hammes is only 30 years old you know he's a player who's played for Real Madrid he's played for Bayern Munich he's now played in the Premier League if you're just wondering why, by the way, that he can get a move to the Middle East, the AFC, which is the Asian Football Confederation, their transfer window is supposedly still open, so a deal can be struck. Would you say it's a waste of talent? Because he's still only 30, so there's a couple of years left in the tank, you'd have to suggest. Or is it a move that doesn't really surprise you too much? Because we've spoken about this before with high-profile players going to lesser leagues, for want of a better term, to kind of see out the rest of their careers. It does feel like a little bit of a waste. It feels like there is another move in there for Rodriguez to play at the highest level. But at the same time, can you blame him for taking this move? Because realistically, was there any other move he could make where he'd be able to command the same wages he's been commanding at Everton or throughout his career? We're in a really unique situation with the global pandemic at the moment. We're seeing clubs like Derby County having their revenue cut to a third of what it was pre-pandemic and that is reflected across the footballing sphere. There are very few clubs that could 
afford £200,000 a week at the moment and there's probably half of the Premier League could maybe stretch to that if they really felt they needed a player. But like we've said, despite Marley's fanboy status, he probably hasn't quite done enough in the Premier League to prove that he is worth that £200,000 a week investment that he can perform week in, week out at the highest level without being injured or whatever. So where does he go? PSG, they've got enough talent on their books and he's probably not quite at the level or regard to move to PSG. He's not going to go back to Real Madrid Barcelona, they've got hardly two euros to rub together, so they're not going to be splashing the cash. So he's going to have to go to the new China, which is out in Qatar, because they are the people who have the money at the moment. So his options are limited. So you can't blame him for doing it, but at the same time, you'd like to think, if it was one of us that had the opportunity to play three more years of football at the highest level, we'd probably take that. But for a lot of footballers, football's a job. It's not a hobby. It's not a passion. It's a job. It's just something they happen to be good at. So in that case, if it is your job, in general, you follow the money. OK, well, I expect you to be uh, signing a new contract with Sky Sports or something, Jim, in the next couple of weeks, following that money. Um, maybe I'm off even... to Football Social Qatar. Football Social Daily Qatar. Um, James Rodriguez is travelling out to the Middle East ahead of a move away from Everton. That is expected to be done by the end of this week. So from one side of Merseyside to the other, we'll be talking Liverpool next. Thiago will miss the next two games for Jurgen Klopp's side with a calf injury. We'll discuss it after this on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall, Jim Salverson, Marley Anderson with me. And we're going to talk about Liverpool now because they've been hit with an injury blow. Midfielder Thiago Alcantara will miss the next two matches with a calf injury. The positive, if there is one for Liverpool when it comes to injured players, is that the two matches he'll miss are against Norwich City in the Cup and Brentford at the weekend. Do you think Thiago's had as big as an impact at Anfield as you expected since his arrival, Marley? Because he turned up in the Premier League as someone with plenty of hype and plenty of pedigree as well. Do you think he's done all right so far in his time at Liverpool? Uh, yeah, he's, he's done all right. I think... Um... I did expect a little bit more, to be fair. Um, he does do a lot of stuff really well that doesn't get a match of the day every week. Uh, I will say that about him. He's more of a, a metronome in midfield, keeps everything going, never, ever gives a ball away. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. I am I am kind of... Um, I am surprised that he wasn't in... He's not in the team every week. Uh, I know he's had a few injuries and stuff like that but I feel like he doesn't get in the team um, when he's fit I think it's it's more Henderson, Fabinho um, and and Cater or or one of the others because you know he's got so many attacking players to fit in that team Klopp that sometimes he sacrifices that third midfielder and plays Jota and, and has Jota, Salamane and Firmino all in his team at once but yeah I mean Thiago's he's undoubtedly class um, I feel like he's the one thing he's um, he's maybe struggled with at Liverpool is the fact that um, Liverpool attack really fast, um, and he's a player for the for pretty much the entirety of his career. 
has played in teams where it's a case of 75% possession and, and you try and break down a, a team that are just trying to hang on. So you think about him in the Barcelona days of, of Tiki Taka and Messi, Neymar and Suarez and all the rest of them up front when he was in that team um, and David Villa even going back uh, back even further. You're saying like he that that style was really, really, really patient and... And things, and when he first started came, coming into the 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 lineup um, at Liverpool, I remember watching a couple of games, of, a couple of full Liverpool games, and watching him. And I always felt like they would they would get the ball to him, and he would slow down and, and wait for his wait for options. And it's like if this isn't Bayern or Barca or Spain, um, this is a little bit faster, and he needs to to adapt to that. I haven't seen him play ninety minutes fully this season, but. I feel like he's he's too clever not to make that adjustment. He's too good a player not to make that adjustment. Um, but I love watching him play um, purely because he, his his touch is just unbelievable. I've never seen a guy control, you know, miscontrol a ball. Um, and I like to see him uh, not being able to tackle <laughs> because he gets he gets bookings all the time, and it's just it makes me sort of smile that a player so good can have such a hole in his game where he just chops people down and then gets up and goes, oh, damn, sorry. <laughs> I've been trying that tackle for about 15 years and I still can't do it. Um, so he's an absolute nailed on booking every every game he plays pretty much. But um, I still like watching him play because he's, he's a masterful uh, midfielder. He makes, makes the game look easy and that's really hard to do when you're playing in the Premier League and playing at the level he has for, for the last 10 years. There have been some question marks over Liverpool's recruitment, not because of the quality, but because of the lack of it, Jim. And we've discussed on the show already this season about Liverpool's starting eleven, which I think is as strong as anyone in the Premier League, if not Europe. They completely dispatched Crystal Palace at the weekend. They should have been out of sight against AC Milan in the Champions League. They weren't able to get that early advantage. They weren't able to make it count with the amount of chances they had. They should have really been five or six in front just in that first half alone. But injuries like this to players like Thiago, are they cause for concern? We saw it last season where, unfortunately, Matip, Van Dijk and Gomez were all injured and that caused a bit of a crisis. Henderson and Fabinho had to be dropped back into the defensive positions. Those two ended up picking up injuries at some point as well. There's a perceived lack of depth at Liverpool. And for Jurgen Klopp, that's obviously going to be a bit of a problem because as long as he can keep the starting 11 fit, Liverpool should be in really good stead for a title charge this season. But let's just say they get unlucky again with injuries like last season. That's going to be a problem, isn't it? Yeah, and they did get unlucky with injuries. I think that's kind of the key point. And I don't think there's many teams anywhere in the world that could cope with their three first-choice centre-backs being crooked and out for a decent period of time because no team has that amount of depth and we saw from the players that Liverpool then went and recruited as backup that never got on the pitch what was his name Ben was it Ben Davies they brought in from Preston North End who felt like a weird recruitment at the time it was clearly a bit of a stopgap never got on the pitch for Liverpool so I think any team who loses a lot of key players in one position are going to struggle. And you look at the Liverpool team, there is a certain amount of depth in there. They can afford to lose one of their front three. They can afford to lose one of their midfielders. They can afford to lose one of their defenders. But then if you get any deeper than that, that's when the issues are going to arise. I think Liverpool have done incredibly well over the last three seasons in terms of their recruitment. And I know Liverpool fans love to bang on about their net spend and them not spending as much as their rivals. And there is a case in that. They haven't 
got the deep pockets of Manchester United or Manchester City, and yet they have kept pace. I don't think their recruitment's been terrible. I think in certain aspects, it's been actually pretty smart. And the idea of bringing in young players who are potentially a little bit untested but have that potential has worked in certain areas. I'm thinking of the fella um, Costas Tamikas. Jim, you're on fire with these pronunciations today. Am I getting it right? Boom, there we go. I mean, him coming in and when... Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't fit at the beginning of the season. He came in and he did really well for a couple of games. And nobody really expected him to be able to perform at that level straight off the back. They thought he'd kind of be a player who'd be part of the development programme at Liverpool. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see how Liverpool fans get frustrated with that recruitment. They look at their partners in Manchester. They look at Chelsea and go, why aren't we spending like that? But that's simply not the Liverpool model. They play or they manage their team within a budget and within certain restrictions. And I think they do that really well. There aren't many teams who have the, here we go again, net spend of Liverpool who manage to compete (laughs) in the same way that they do. It was a matter of time before net spend was whipped out of the Jim Salveson (laughs) thesaurus. Love that. Um, But how long is it going to be before they do dip back into the transfer market? Obviously, when they spent that outlay on Virgil van Dijk, I think 75 million and 60 plus on Allison, that was a couple of years ago now, but it was transformative. I mean, people look at those two signings, but I think Mo Salah as well, shortly before that, who hit the ground running, I think scored 40 goals in his first season. I mean, the signings that Liverpool made, absolutely brilliant. Robertson, 8 million. So they have made some really good signings, Liverpool. But that seems like a long time ago now. And there's this saying in football, Marley, isn't there, that If you're standing still, you're regressing. Liverpool haven't really spent big on players. There's talk about the pandemic having affected Liverpool a little bit worse, maybe than some people might realise, and that's why the owners aren't keen to spend big money on players. But like we say, that first eleven as strong as any side in the Premier League. But the depth, if you look at Manchester City and if you look at Chelsea, their bench is exceptionally strong. Liverpool probably not so much. Even if you look at Manchester United's bench, arguably stronger than what Liverpool have to offer when it comes to alterations. So do you think it won't be long before Liverpool do have no choice but to try and dip back into the market again and try and bring in some quality reinforcements? Yeah, probably. Um, I'm thinking thinking about Liverpool long term and, and one of the things we've talked about a little bit in the past on, on the podcast is you know cycles of clubs. I feel like Liverpool are coming to the end of a, a cycle where They've been amazing for the last three or four years. They've won one title out of it. Um, we're probably the most unlucky team to to ever not win a title when they got 97 points. Or was it 97 and Man, Man City got 98, was it? Um, you know, so, you know, every other um, year in every other league in the world that would have won them a title. So that's a ridiculous thing. And I, I just think maybe they're... they're maybe they've sort of shot the load a little bit and, and they've had their you know time as elite and, and to, to get back to that level, you know, you see you see Ronaldo signing for Man United and they signed Ronaldo Varane and, and Sancho in one in one summer. You know, that's that's huge. Chelsea signed Lukaku, that's huge. Um Harry Kane staying at Spurs even keeps them higher than what they would have been had they lost him. So you're talking about that and thinking, do, do Liverpool need to? It just needs something else. I don't. I don't know what because there's not an obvious place in their team where you would um, where you would strengthen. But you, I, I'm not sure with maybe maybe a striker, maybe a proper 
you know, uh, killer of a striker, could that not take them up to, to where they were? Because uh, for me, they're just slightly underneath the other runners in the race. Um, I'm not sure when they're going to slip up, but I think they will slip up. Um, maybe if Salah gets an injury, maybe if, if Mane doesn't quite reproduce his form again, um, you never you never completely convinced about Firmino or Jota's goals in terms of like you you'd back Ronaldo to score in every game in the season. Kane as well, Lukaku as well. Mm. Um, Jota missed from two yards at the weekend, didn't he? Put the ball yeah. over the crossbar. I mean, Ronaldo and Lukaku aren't missing that, or Kane. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I, I would probably say that. You know, I, I I often wonder as well what would what would have happened if they did sign Timo Werner? Would he have been? the same flop as, as he was at Chelsea because I just think maybe Liverpool's style suited him a little bit better um, but we'll never know so um, yeah I think they are going to have to spend at some point I think as you say if you don't spend if you don't strike while the iron's hot you know the iron goes cold and you get left behind um, and now at this point of the Premier League you're saying you know there's three squads in that Premier League arguably four um that without Liverpool could could easily win the league. So, you know, you've got to keep pace with them or, or get left behind and Liverpool don't want that. It's very difficult to recruit depth though, isn't it? In terms of like bringing in play, because Liverpool have, as you said, Niall, an incredibly strong first eleven, and it's very difficult to see players they bring in breaking into that eleven. So you're trying to convince players coming in that they are back up for Fabinho or Firmino or... Whoever it is, it's like they're they're trying to convince players to come in and play second fiddle. So it has to be a certain type of player. It has to be that young player who is potential coming into that, I think, as far as Liverpool are concerned. So either we see them do that and continue to bring in young players who have potential, who have sell-on value, who might then challenge two, three years down the line, or we see a complete regeneration. We see Mohamed Salah going to Real Madrid or something like that for a huge transfer fee that allows Liverpool to then completely restructure and rebuild. I don't know which it's going to be, but both of them are challenges. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that's what Chelsea have done really well this season, and all the talk is about Chelsea. I think they've overtaken Manchester City as title favourites. At least that's what it seems like from all of the pundits in the press reports that I've seen when it comes to early season predictions about who's going to lift the trophy in May. But Chelsea have somehow managed to convince top quality players to come and join them. Is that just because they're the reigning European champions, Jim? Because you mentioned about how it's difficult to get established players to come and play second fiddle when it comes to the starting eleven. But Chelsea have managed to secure some decent signings, some decent signatures uh, considering the fact that their first eleven was also very, very strong. But I think the players they've brought in are they've brought in at a first-team level because they have the financial power to do that. So Romelu Lukaku didn't come into that team going, oh, how am I going to displace Timo Werner? That's going to be a real challenge. He came into that team going, right, I am the main man, I am yeah. here. Well, it, it was Tammy Abraham who was sacrificed yeah, in the end, yeah. wasn't it, really? He but, went I, to yeah, mm. it's, it's, but in terms of the players he'd be competing with for game time, in that first 11 it's like he didn't go in with an expectation he was going to have to prove himself he went in with an expectation that he was going to be the main man largely part of what he's achieved before and largely part of the transfer fees involved if you're going into Liverpool who aren't spending that kind of money they're not going to bring in players who are necessarily surefire starters and I think that's the challenge it's relatively easy he says uh 
if you have a deep pockets, if you have a huge transfer budget to bring in quality players and regenerate your team, it's much more challenging to convince good players to come in and potentially not play first team football. I think that's the challenge. Oh, sorry, I was just thinking about um, what we were talking about yesterday and like uh, knitting it to what Jim's just said. I mean, if Alan St. Maximan was on the on the radar this summer, like available Newcastle finish fifteenth or whatever. He could easily go to Liverpool, couldn't he? But he would worry about, is, is he going to get in over Mane or Salah? And then you're looking at somebody as talented as him and saying, you know, he would have genuine concerns about getting in that team. And it's like, he, he could be one of the best wingers in the Premier League, but they've been one of the best, probably the best pair of wingers in the Premier League in the last five or ten years. So you're always going to look at that and say, you know, is it the best move for me to go to Liverpool because there's no assurances that he's going to get in the team? Um, and then the only way you come over that in the end of when you're eventually going to drop Mane or Salah is when they're when they're clearly past the hill. You know, you, you, you hang on to them for too long and they start to wane a little bit. Not saying they're doing that now, but if you wait long enough, they will do that because it almost just blocks the entire path to the first team. Yeah, it's a very good point that actually something I didn't really think of, you know, if you're a, a player looking to get a move to, you know, a, a top four club, you do have to think about what positions um, are are available, I guess. You know, if you're a centre half, are you getting in the team ahead of Virgil van Dijk? Of course you're not. So I <laughs> do think Konate. that's a really good point you make. Yeah, I mean, great point. Yeah, Canate signed by Liverpool this summer and I don't know if he's played yet, has he, Marley? So, uh, not in the league, no. I think he played yeah, in the Europe, yeah. but... Good point. Well, Thiago won't play for the next couple of games. He's got this calf injury. It looks like Naby Keita will be the obvious replacement in the middle of the park. He scored a good goal at the weekend. Good to talk about Liverpool. But next, we're going to be talking about Wolves. Not because of their on-the-field stuff, but because they've launched their own record label. Yeah, seriously, we'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. A new episode today and tomorrow and every subsequent day of the Premier League season. We are the only top flight focused podcast who'll do that for you. So why not hit the subscribe button and that way you won't miss an episode of the show again and you'll be notified as soon as a new one's released. You can also find all the latest news on your favourite Premier League team over on our website sport-social.co.uk and also check out our Amazon Alexa and Google Home skills as well. Just make sure you ask your device to open sports social and you can find the news direct to your smart speaker time to talk about wolverhampton wanderers and the fact that they've launched their own record label i'm not sure whether this is a good idea or not jim but the plan is to play music from local artists at the stadium over the molyneux speakers and also as almost like a, a backing track to montages and on the club's digital channels such as social media for example now, you're someone who's worked in music for a long, long time, as well as in sport. So when you see these crossovers, do they make you cringe? Or are you nodding your head in agreement that this could be actually quite a good idea from Wolves? I think it's quite a good idea, this. And I think it kind of works on a couple of levels for Wolves as well and for the community. First off, I think football does have a responsibility for maintaining local identity. And music is a key part of anywhere's local identity for 
bands trying to make any kind of impact in the music industry at the moment, it's a really difficult thing to do. It's always been challenging, but it's more difficult than ever now. There's less and less radio stations on which you can play your music. Streaming platforms pay you such a meagre amount for the amount of people that listen to your work that even if you can build an audience you're very likely unlikely to make any living out of it so any support that a football club can offer these young and emerging artists I think has to be a positive and football clubs do have huge platforms on which to offer this level of promotion. Wolves aren't the first to do this, by the way. They're the first to launch their own record label, but there are plenty of other football clubs around the UK who do support upcoming emerging artists. Manchester City, before their home games, certainly a couple of seasons ago, I don't know if they do it now, they had a stage in their city square and they'd invite bands to come on and play there before the game and they'd then obviously interact with a new audience. Manchester United, they have a pre-match playlist they play in the stadium, which features obvious classics like Oasis and the Stone Roses, but then also features new tracks from up-and-coming artists. So other football clubs do some work in this area. Wolves are the first to set up their label. But the other side of this for Wolverhampton Wanderers, the flip side of the coin is when they are creating content for their social media channels, be it videos on YouTube or whatever, the music they're using is costing them money. They have to pay rights, they have to pay licenses to use that music in a global marketplace. If they own the rights to those that music that is artists already, then that is a cost they don't have to pay. Now, it probably That's doesn't. what I was going to ask you next. I mean, what's the benefit of having a record label? Because all of these other clubs you mentioned, United, City, even my team, Portsmouth, play songs from local artists at Fratton Park before a game mm. on a Saturday afternoon. But, I mean, they can just get the tracks and play them over yeah. the tannoy, I suppose. So what's the benefit of Wolves launching their own record label? Is it to sort of take ownership of these artists in a way? I mean, I think it's a little bit of uh, altruism. Altruism, is that the word I'm looking for? They're actually... I can't, I can't see them doing it as a way to make money. And it's pretty right. unusual for a football club to do anything that isn't a way to make money. But I guess <laughs> they can balance the costs of whatever they're putting into the label, the money they're paying to artists or whatever it is, with a little bit of that, well, it means we don't have to pay X or Y or Z for, our, for the media rights for tunes to play on our YouTube videos or whatever. But I think if you can keep that money within the community, within the kind of local area... That's got to be a positive, hasn't it? So, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if they're doing it as a part of a kind of global business plan. I don't think we're going to see the next Mariah Carey or Rihanna or whatever it is coming out of Wolverhampton Wanderers. I don't think I can't think of many artists from the black country, actually. But I do think it's a great way to support local music talent. Aren't Ocean Colour seen from... I think they're from uh, Birmingham. From Birmingham. That's, that's a dangerous territory to get into yeah. that I don't want to get into. But... um Football and music has often had a crossover, hasn't it? Just listen to Sweet Caroline has become sort of an anthem for the England team. Um, Three Lions, of course, has been massive in recent seasons with England and their success on the international stage. Every club seems to have their own anthem. Newcastle, Marley have got, I think, is it Hometown Hero or Local Hero that they play? That sort of saxophone yeah, piece. Yeah, local, local Hero, yeah. Yeah, at St. James's. I mean, football and music has long been intertwined, Marley. So actually... Are there a few too many raised eyebrows about this? Because this isn't the craziest idea we've ever seen when it comes to football and culture crossovers. Yeah, I think it's just one of them where you go, what? Like, what's the, what's the point in that? But then, <laughs> as Jim's just pointed out, if you can save money on you know, streaming rights and, and paying artists to use their music, 
what's you know what what's wrong with it you know if you're playing local music at a game nobody goes to a a football game to listen to really good music you know if they're playing Rihanna at half time yeah you, you, you don't sit there in your seat and not go and get a pint because you're like oh just, this is a banger I need to sit and watch this <laughs> oh I love umbrella yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean you, you don't go for that so if the music's a bit crap but local who cares like it's it, it's ears on your your you know your um local scene it's playing to a lot of people it's giving them the exposure that they need to to succeed possibly and, and go on to bigger and better things and you don't go to 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 um to Molyneux to hear you know the the latest chart bangers you've got spotify on your phone you've got <laughs> itunes you've got the radio you know that that old thing the radio you know, so you listen to that on the way in, and then you—you you, it doesn't matter who you listen to there. So, if the club can save money, it's not a huge loss to your match day experience if you don't hear, you know, Calvin Harris or flipping Rihanna or whoever, you know, whoever's big these days in the old music scene. Um, so if you're using local lads, fine, great. You never sounded older, Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. All I was on the hit parade. <laughs> All. All I'm happy about is next time we go to St James's Park, I might hear Sam Fender a bit more. So that's uh, that's me. <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers have launched their own record label, which means I think it's time for a quiz on similar strange football culture crossovers. So cue the quiz music. This is how it's going to work. There are four questions. And it's basically fingers on buzzers. See who can get the answer the quickest. I'll be asking you the questions and just try and give me the answer and see if you can get it right. So it's first of, first of three, basically, to, to secure the victory between Marley and Jim. So are you both ready for this? Yeah. yeah. By the way, Jim, if you, if you lose this music quiz to me, I get your excess Manchester evening show for the next year, OK? <laughs> <laughs> and, and more importantly, your wage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not specifically a music show, so you might actually have a good chance here, Marley. So uh, <laughs> it could be an interesting uh, excess Manchester rotor change in the next month or so if this quiz goes Marley's way. Question number one. Which Premier League club had a handful of stars who featured in a trailer for the movie Deadpool in 2016. Buzz. Go on, Jim. I seem to remember this one. Wasn't it Manchester United? It was Manchester United. Well done, Jim. Big tick for you. One point on the board. The likes of Wayne Rooney were involved in this trailer. I haven't seen it. I haven't even seen Deadpool. I have no idea what it's like. But yeah, Manchester United, somehow, um, it forced Wayne Rooney to be in a movie trailer. So there we go. Well done, Jim. First point on the board. His acting's more wooden than Groot. There's a little Marvel <laughs> joke for you. <laughs> well, we'll stay with Manchester United for the next question. I think Marley might have more of a chance here with this one. Their on-loan Aston Villa defender, Axel Tuenzebe, holds a Guinness World Record, Buzz. but what's it for? Marley, you've buzzed in. Uh, the world record for the time-clearing hungry, hungry hippos. Correct. It is. <laughs> what? It is. Wow. Axel Tuanzeve holds the record for the fastest time to clear a game of hungry, hungry hippos. He's got the certificate in a frame. There's a photo of him with it. The record time that he set: seventeen point three six seconds. Oh, that, that, that feels beatable, hands. doesn't it? <laughs> well, we'll try. We'll, we'll do a little thing to see if Jim can beat Axel Twanzebe's record for Hungry Hungry Hippos. See how many attempts it takes you. Right, so it's one apiece. 
Next question. Norwich City collaborated with a famous fan to release an unusual piece of Canaries merchandise. But what was it? Egg timer. No. Rolling pin? <laughs> no, but you're on the right lines. Oven. Uh, cookbook. Oh, what did you say, Marley? Oven. Oh, not quite, not quite. We'll call that one... We'll call that one a tie. Norwich City, Delia Smith, oven gloves. (laughs) So close. We'll call that one a tie. So, we'll go into the final question with it all to play for. Jim won. Marley won. Last question. Former Liverpool and Swansea midfielder Joe Allen was a cover star in 2017, but for which magazine? Buzz. Go on, Jim. I can't, I can't remember the exact name of the magazine, but it's something to do with chickens. I think it was called <laughs> Chicken oh. Rooster and Coop or something oh, along was those it, lines. Uh, was it Farmers Weekly or something like that? No, no, Jim. I think you've taken it in the last minute. Chicken and Egg magazine. Well done. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Jim Salveson keeps hold of his Excess Manchester evening oh, show. Man. That is the end of the quiz, and it's also the end of the podcast. Jim, how are you going to celebrate your victory with the... Uh, Final answer of Chicken and Egg magazine. I'm going to go and listen to some Slade and some Babylon Zoo, who are the only two significant artists I can find that have come from Wolverhampton. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode of the show again. And more stupid quizzes like this one as well. I'm sure we'll be involved in a couple of those before the end of the season. Don't forget loads of football taking place this week, including Carabao Cup games, which take place tomorrow as well. We'll do all of that on tomorrow's show, but from Marley, Jim and myself that's it for today and we'll catch you again next time on football social daily football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i'm victoria cash thanks for calling the lucky land hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day press one if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.